Chapter 35 Acts I had joined with Marco and Rachel. We had taken to the air. We were still far away when we saw Tobias and Cassie morphing in the woods. My harrier eyes spotted them easily, but not till after I had spotted the time matrix. It was an awesome thing to contemplate. It would not make an Andalite or a human the equal of the Elemist in power, but it represented far more destructive power than the combined fleets of the Andalite people and the Yurk Empire. I wondered how it had come to Earth, and I wondered how my brother, Alfangor, had known it was on Earth. Because surely he had known. Visser Four was right. Alfangor had chosen the spot deliberately. It was no coincidence that he had landed, had died, within a few feet of this machine. Perhaps, if we survived, I could ask the Elemist for an explanation. As certain as I was that Alfangor was involved, I was certain that the Elemist was too. All of this was tied to Alfangor's earlier sojourn on Earth, the lost time that had resulted in the birth of his son Tobias. All of it led here. There it is, Rachel said. And there he is, Visser Four. D-Day, man, Marco said. He sounded shaken. I don't know what he had encountered on that beach, but I could guess that it was not far different than what I had found there. I was still trembling from the fear. From the fear of my own fear from images I would never be able to wash from my mind. We flew to intercept Cassie and Tobias. The breeze was with us. It would not take long. But would we be able to intercept Visser Four and stop his intervention? That was the question. I take it, Marco, that you are familiar with this war, I said. This is the big one of all big ones, Marco said. World War II. The Nazis try and take over the world, and almost do it. The Japanese attack Pearl Harbor. D-Day. Battle of the Bulge. John Wayne at Iwo Jima. And the Holocaust, Rachel said. Holocaust? The Germans, the Nazis under Hitler, murdered six million Jews. Men, women, and children. Obviously, Rachel had misspoken. These Jews were an opposing army? No, Jews are a religion, or a race, I guess. My dad's Jewish. Mostly the Jews in the Holocaust were Germans and Poles. You know, civilians, normal people. Others too. Gypsies, gays, handicapped people. They were taken to camps and shot, or starved, or killed with poison gas. Children killed in their mother's arms. She spoke with no special emphasis, no anger, 
Human emotion is often confusing, in part because each individual human expresses it differently. Rachel is quick to anger over small things. The larger things render her cold and seemingly emotionless. But then, what emotion could possibly be sufficiently intense to encompass the crimes she described? Humans. I wondered, not for the first time, but now, with renewed intensity, whether the Yerks had any notion of the species they proposed to conquer. Humans seem to exist across too broad a spectrum to even be considered a single species. The same species that spawned my friends, Jake, Cassie, Marco, Rachel, my Shorm, and nephew, Tobias, seem to revel in mutual slaughter and sink to depths no yerk would sink to. Depths of depraved brutality that would be unimaginable to an endelect. Even humans, I began. I stopped myself. I should not insult humans. This was not the time or the place. We were racing to intercept the yerk, to save the future too. But my mind was boiling. Too much. That human warrior would stand against human warrior and kill. That was wrong and foolish and stupid. But that humans, the species I was risking my own life to help, were capable of such a filthy, cowardly thing as the deliberate slaughter of innocence. Not at all like the things I had done in combat. Not at all like fighting Hork-Bashir controllers, or taxons, or... or Hessian officers. I jerked my thoughts away from that memory. From the memory of my tailblade snapping forward. We Endolites have fought wars among ourselves in the past. We did not kill children. It is not possible to conceive of a greater evil than the deliberate killing of a child. Yeah, well, we do know that, Axe, Marco said resentfully. Why do you think those guys down there on the beach are dying? Those tanks coming down the road? Those are Nazi tanks, Rachel said. So let's stop them. We are after the Time Matrix, Marco reminded her. Maybe you are. You and Axe go get the Time Matrix. I'm getting a Nazi. Chapter 36 Cassie I rolled over. The Visser cried out in pain. He tried to get up, but he couldn't use his hands. They were held together by handcuffs. Tobias lay bleeding. Tobias! Demorph! But then, to my amazement, he simply sat up. The bullet holes in his chest were gone. It's true, he whispered, touching his chest with a horkbisher claw. Just Jake. The rest of us, we can't be killed. I felt the bullets hit me. Neck. Head. Shoulder. Head. I felt the impact. Power blows. I felt sharp, overwhelming pain. And then... I was still alive. The tank column rolled by. Infantrymen rushed up alongside the tanks to surround us. They waved guns at a wolf and a monster, scared of both, unsure what to do. Visser Ford tried to crawl away, but one of the soldiers gave him a kick in the stomach that dropped the controller on his face. An officer pulled his pistol from a holster, walked cautiously up to me, held the barrel against my head, and... 
I fell over. I stood up. C'est pas possible, the officer gasped in French. Es ist ein Wolfman, one of the soldiers said in German. French and Germans together, not Germans alone. I looked at the insignia on the epaulette of the officer. It was a shield, slashed down the middle at an angle. Half of it the French tricolor, blue, white, and red. The other half, a stylized black eagle. What's going on? Tobias wondered, as confused as I was. This isn't the way it was. This isn't right. The soldiers, the French and German soldiers, kept their guns trained on us. They were confused and afraid. I could identify. I looked at the soldiers. They were a mix of old men and young kids, some who looked no more than fifteen. Some of the older ones could have been my grandfather. The French officers said something about le capitaine, the captain. The Germans agreed with whatever he'd said. I think he'd said they should all wait for the captain to get there. Several of the soldiers broke out cigarettes. Some drank from their canteens. The tanks rolled slowly by. Visser Four raised himself to a sitting position. The jeep hauling the time matrix had pulled off the road. He was edging, ever so slowly. Don't let him reach that thing, Tobias said in thought speak. The French officer understood immediately. He jerked his head, and two of his men dragged the controller back to where we sat in our weird little standoff. I just want to know one thing, Andalites. How did you follow me? I have the time matrix. How did you follow me? And why, why, why don't you die? Visser Three's been trying to kill us for some time now, Tobias said. We're hard to kill. The controller made a face of hatred and resentment. I should have used the time matrix to destroy Visser Three. That bungling fool. We'd have helped you, Tobias said with a laugh. Then, privately to me, he said, "Cassie, if we can't be killed, we don't need to worry about these soldiers. We can take the time matrix right now." Yeah, I, I guess that's true, but I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I guess we are sort of immortal for now, but who knows? A gun is still a gun. Are you a hundred percent sure? Tobias made a horkbeer smile. Ninety-nine percent. The remaining one percent says if we push it, we're toast. Suddenly, another jeep-type car came rumbling up along the line of tanks. An officer, a German, jumped out and trotted over to us. In a mix of French and German, the soldiers and their officers explained this exceedingly unusual situation. The captain was a middle-aged man with a lined, scarred face and tired eyes. He obviously knew about the big, glowing globe. He seemed to know too about the prisoner, Visser Four. But seeing a horkbeer sitting there beside a seemingly tame and unkillable wolf was new. He leaned close to Tobias and gingerly touched his wrist blade. "I won't hurt you," Tobias said. The captain answered in German, then tried French. Finally, excellent English. Do you understand English? Yes, we do. I said. He snapped his head around. There was a quick burst of German, including a word that sounded like wolf, and another that was very recognizable, Frankenstein. He thinks you're a monster, Tobias. Then, 
in English once more. He said, I do not know how a monster and a talking wolf came to be here. Explain. I started to answer. Not to explain, because explaining would have been utterly impossible. Or at least it would have taken a solid week. But then, I saw the old man who had been driving the captain's jeep climb down from behind the wheel. He was in his fifties, at least, although his uniform indicated a low rank. He was stocky, not very tall. His black hair was parted high on his head. His eyes were dark and intense. He wore a small mustache. A style of mustache known everywhere as a Hitler mustache. Chapter 37 Rachel Far below us, Tobias and Cassie seemed to be chatting with Nazi soldiers guarding Visor 4. They were problem number two, as far as I was concerned. Problem number one? The tanks that were rolling toward the beach. Huge, clanking monsters, armored to withstand a direct hit from a cannon. I have several powerful morphs, but none that would so much as annoy a tank. However, the tank hatches were open. Their officers, or drivers, or whatever, stood with their heads and shoulders visible. No one was shooting at them. They had not reached the battle. When they did, the invasion of Normandy would end in utter defeat for the invaders. We have to stop them, I said. Marco snorted angrily. How? Morph to elephant and go one-on-one -on -one with a tank, and you'll end up roadkill. Our morphing ability is a potent weapon, Rachel. But useless here, Axe said. We're stopping them, I said flatly. That road is narrow. It's cut deep. Kill one tank, and the others will have a hard time going around it. At least we'd slow them down. Yeah, then one of us gets to the ship offshore and directs them where to fire, Marco said. Great in theory. Just one problem. How do a bunch of birds kill a tank? I don't know, all right, I admitted. I just know we have to. I may have an idea, Axe said. I have been observing your primitive human weapons. Several are fascinating. Most could be very easily improved upon and... Get to the point, I yelled. The small, handheld explosive device. They are roughly spherical in shape with a ludicrously crude priming device. They are thrown and... Marco said, Hand grenades? They are very weak explosives, Axe said. However, within the confined space of a tank's interior, they could... If I had lips and you had a mouth, I'd kiss you, I said. Hand grenades, that's it. We'll drop hand grenades down the hatch of the lead tank. How do we carry one? How do we pull the pin? Marco demanded. I laughed. Details, Marco. Minor details. Let's find some grenades. We flew back over the bluff. I wasn't going down to the beach if I could avoid it. The bodies down there were so thick on the ground that in some places we could have stepped from body to body without ever touching the sand. Fire was still pouring down from the protected position on the bluff. Landingcraft were still disengorging men. It was a second wave, I suppose. A whole new assault, adding new victims, like cattle going down the chute to the slaughtering floor. But, of course, cattle don't know what's coming. Humans do. 
They saw the bodies of their fellow soldiers. They heard the explosions. They smelled the death. And they still came. War is obscene. The worst thing humans do. But warriors, the individual men, are the very best of humanity. Not because they are willing to kill, but because they are willing to risk death, to sacrifice themselves for others. I was high in the air. Not safe, but so, so much safer. I felt like a coward. Over here, Marco said. They're issuing grenades to some guys down at the base of the bluff. There's an open case of them. Okay, I'm biggest, I said. I'll do it. Are you confident that you can carry the weight? Axe asked. I don't know. Bald Eagle snatched whole salmon out of the water. How much can a hand grenade weigh? How much does a salmon weigh? Marco answered rhetorically. I floated on a high breeze coming off the water. My wings were filled with warm June thermals. I wondered if the warm updrafts were strengthened by the heat of red-hot gun barrels. A dozen guys were huddled together at the base of the bluff. Americans. Or, at least, I reminded myself, they should have been Americans. They looked lost and scared and exhausted. Their sergeant had a steel ammunition box open between his knees. He was handing out grenades, two at a time. It would take speed and precision, and a distraction. Marco, Axe, I need that guy to look away. Yeah, we're on it. Marco and Axe, an Osprey and a Harrier, formed up beside me. We'd have looked weird and out of place if anyone had time to birdwatch. No! Axe and Marco spilled air, narrowed their tails, and plunged. Down, down, down. I went after them, twenty feet behind. I could feel the air turbulence from their wings. No problem, I told myself. Marco and Axe swoop close. The sergeant looks away. I snatched the grenades out of his hand and... The mortar shell landed in the middle of the men. The shockwave knocked Axe and Marco down like they were flies hit by a giant swatter. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, thank you for listening to the episode. Um, I've got a message here that I'm probably going to talk about for a while, so let's just get right into this one. It's an email. Uh, that email is audiomorphscast at gmail.com. To send in from uh, Audie Murphy, uh, who writes in, Hey Daniel, I've been listening to your podcast for about two years now. This is the first message I've decided to send. I found you through Spotify, and I remember you saying once that you wish you could turn on comments. And I believe you can. I've seen other podcasts I listen to online have a section for, What did you think about this episode? I don't know how you do it, but I know it's possible. Uh, thank you for... Uh, letting me know about that. Uh, I am aware that uh, Spotify does offer that, but they offer it through their own native um, podcasting hosting platform, Anchor. Uh, I don't use that for this podcast. I just import my RSS feed onto Spotify because a lot of people use Spotify to listen to podcasts. Uh, so I don't have I don't have uh, those options available to me. Um, I actually think that Podbean, uh, where I am hosted, has a similar function, but either because. Uh, of the theme I chose for my page or else because Podbean's an exceptionally poorly coded website, I can't actually read those comments. I get notifications that people are commenting. I just can't read them. It tells me to go download their app and I'm simply not interested in doing that. 
Um, that's that's all I meant. I think when I when I said that back in the day, it's just if you're commenting there, I'm not seeing it. But um, thank you for for offering. I appreciate that. Um, and then uh, Audie goes on to say, as a history nerd slash geek, whatever you want to call it, this book has been bothering me for a couple of reasons. First, in case anyone was wondering, the British were supposed to win the Battle of Trafalgar, but in this timeline, likely the Battle of Trafalgar would never have happened. The reason for this is that the United States Rebellion was a large inspiration for other colonies and nations with oppressive governments. One of these was the French. Since the rebellion failed in 1776, the Marc de La uh, Lafayette would not have arrived yet, he, and he was one of the largest influences, or influencers of the revolution. In fact, it likely would have never happened without him, and the only reason Napoleon was able to rise uh, was the people's unhappiness with all the inner violence during the reign of terror. No Emperor Napoleon, no Napoleonic Wars, no Napoleonic Wars, no Battle of Trafalgar. Uh, I'll take your word on that. Uh, I'm not a big history buff myself, um, and insofar much as I do uh, learn about history, the Napoleonic Wars is just an area uh, I've never delved into, so I'll I'll take I'll take your word on that. Uh, then this message continues. Anyway, there are a few other things that don't match up. I'll talk about them in a later message, but I want to talk about one more one more thing. In your last episode, you mentioned Hitler being the evilest person ever. I disagree to a certain extent. Uh, let me pause there. Um, if I said that, then uh, I feel I have misspoken. I certainly think Hitler was an evil person. Um, but I think uh, evilist is sort of a useless metric uh, for for defining a person, um, and and so you know I, I think a lot of people share Hitler's heart. I guess is what I'm trying to say. So uh, if I said evilist, uh, that's on me. I misspoke. Uh, so I disagree to a certain extent. While I do agree Hitler was one of the most disgusting human beings to ever walk the face of the earth. I think we focus a little too much on Hitler and forget about other dictators such as Stalin and Mao. Hitler's estimate by his policies killed approximately 11 million people, while the estimate for non-combatant deaths as a result of Stalin's policies, historians estimate, that he killed anywhere from 15 to 60 million people and Mao anywhere from 47.8 million uh, as a more definitive estimate, with some of the highest estimates being over 124 million people. Also, a lot of people forget that Stalin actually worked with Hitler until 1940 when Hitler stupidly decided to attack Russia. If he hadn't, and Russia had stayed, on, uh, stayed a part of the Axis powers, there's a good chance that the Axis powers would have won the war. Well, thanks for listening to my historical ramblings. I hope they bring you some enjoyment slash information. Signed, Warrior Audie Murphy. We, the Andalites, are coming. Hold fast, humans. Don't yield to the enemy. Keep pushing. One day, we'll return. Uh, so let me address that uh, last paragraph of yours. And uh, I guess... I'll put here as a disclaimer uh, as I go into this, um, which is, is that, like, uh, the only reason I wouldn't call myself a communist outright is I don't feel like I've read enough uh, specifically communist literature, but I broadly identify with the communist project, maybe still a little uncertain about the claim that a state will uh, simply dissolve um, at the end of it, but um, I, I broadly... Uh, aligned with communism. So I am coming into this with a bias, same same as you from whatever um, political position you're taking. You know, uh, I'm saying bias not as a concession or um, somehow weakening my argument. I'm just simply, you know, letting you know where I'm coming from. 
Um, so like those are some pretty big ranges of number, right? 15 to 60 million, that's 60 is four times as much as 15, you know? Why, why is the big gap that big? Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, one reason is that, of course, um, secret police do secret stuff. Fair enough, right? Uh, people sometimes get disappeared. I'm going to acknowledge that, and that's not good. Probably shouldn't disappear people. That's not going to make up these numbers, right? The, the main reason uh, these numbers uh, are so wide... Um, and there's, there's a couple of them. like, you know, uh, the USSR fell. Uh, that's going to cause a lot of chaos with record keeping. Um, it, also, bureaucracy in, in these states are very expansive, right? A lot of papers being shuffled around. Um, but like the main reason is that uh, you're folded into these numbers is often famine, which is, uh, you know, regrettable, but also not indicative of a uh moral failing of uh the the leadership i don't feel um certainly not on the same level as uh the systemic and intentional murder of uh various minority groups right uh and then the other reason there's just um there's a world of anti-communist propaganda, like the America latched onto that and, and never really stopped producing anti-communist propaganda. And, uh, I mean, if you look at, for example, the Victims of Communism Foundation, and they will literally, if you died sort of just near a communist country, they'll chalk that up to communism. Doesn't matter if it was a heart attack, you know, doesn't matter if you tripped, uh, they'll count it. So it's, it's stuff like that makes these numbers um, very hard to accurately parse. Um, but if you want, like, if if you want to go with uh, government negligence being uh, the same as genocide, uh, I kindly invite you to um, look at the past two administrations in this country, America. And how uh, COVID protections have been going. Um, what's the latest? As I know we've passed 2 million dead, you know, um, from COVID. Uh, because of a uh, lack of quarantining, a lack of masking, um, a lack of enforcement from the government for these things. Um, if we can count famine, uh, chalk that up to... Uh, the death toll of communism, then I don't see how this is much different. Um, speaking of, you mentioned that uh, Stalin actually worked with Hitler until 1940. Um, uh, America and uh, Hitler had, um, how, how do we put this? Um, they really loved each other. You know, Hitler sold out Madison Square Garden in New York. Um, when he came to speak, he was on the cover of Time. Not, you know, people will say, oh, you know, Time just puts the most influential person. It's not like um, approving of them. But when they put Hitler on the cover of Time, it's because America loved Hitler. And Hitler loved America back because um, the Nazi movement took a huge amount of inspiration from the American eugenicist movement. 
the very idea of like being genetically superior of the ubermensch, where does that come from? That's coming from the American eugenicist movement um, claiming uh, that there is a superior white race uh, and that, you know, um, black people and other uh, racial groups are genetically inferior because of skull shape or whatever, you know. Um, and of course, a lot of the final solution is based around America's own systems of genocide, both the Native Americans and um, the African Americans. Uh, that's where Hitler was looking when when he devised his totalitarian fascist state was um, at what America was doing. So, yeah, Stalin was a political ally until 1940, um, uh, which is all to say that being politically allied to Hitler probably not good. Um, I don't. I don't know that Americans have room to throw stones. Uh, is all, um, especially both countries actually uh, took a lot of Nazi scientists and put them in prominent, well-paying positions within their governments um, to help with uh, the space race and um, missile design. Uh, I know the American one was called Operation Paperclip. I'm not quite sure what the Soviet one was, but both had them. Not great on either side. Uh, don't love it. Um, my last thought, and so this was not... This has sort of come become the Daniel Defense Communism Hour, or the Daniel Defense Communist Countries Hour, and that's not really what I'm trying to... Um, that paragraph came in with, uh, from where I'm sitting, a very anti-communist bent to it it's a lot of anti-communist rhetoric at least um being expressed here um i don't know if that was your goal or if simply um that's something you've kind of subconsciously picked up being a history buff which is again there's a lot of propaganda fudged numbers massaged facts uh to paint communism in the worst light in um english language uh literature uh, in, in prominent publications. This is a thing that consistently happens. Um, so I'm not accusing you of coming in here um, to, you know, be like, oh, yeah, Nazis bad, but what about communism? But, like, there is certainly a biased slant here in your message. I don't know if that was intentional or not, and I am uh, addressing that explicitly. Um, my last thought about this is that... Um, I do agree that people overfocus on Hitler, but not because there are other bad leaders out there. And if I were to name other bad leaders, I think uh, get close to, well, the only one is probably uh, Churchill. Um, the the famines in India and Pakistan and Ireland under his leadership are um, bad, we'll say. Uh, the numbers are not good there. There are, there are other uh, American leaders as well that I have a very low opinion of, but um, maybe not quite on Hitler's level as far as um, widespread destruction. Churchill, I feel pretty comfortable saying, though. Um, regardless, the point being, um, not because there are other evil men in power, but because uh, I don't ascribe to great man theory, I don't think um, it is these individuals that shape the course of history um i think it is not hitler that creates nazi germany it's um everybody in nazi germany who both participates right who uh turns the other eye 
who just goes about their lives um, because it's not me. Uh, that's that's how you that's how you end up uh, with a Holocaust. Um, and that's sorry to get sorry to get a little heavy um, in these end notes that have gone on for fourteen minutes now. Boy, I knew I was going to talk about this one for a while. Um, that that about wraps up my thoughts. Um, my last one being. Uh, since we're already so deeply into this political space now, I guess I can say this. Um, if you've ever wondered, uh, what would I do if I were witness to a genocide? Um, you're finding out right now because that's what's happening in Palestine, in my opinion, at least. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry. Real, real down place to, to, uh, bring this one, huh? I, I apologize, I guess. Um. And I don't mean to discourage people from sending me messages or sending me um, political messages even. Um, but a lot of this stuff isn't pretty. Uh, a lot of this isn't uh, fun. But that's also kind of the point of the Animorphs, right? The Animorphs is all about uh, bringing this back to the Animorphs. Uh, th that's actually a great segue for me. <laughs> Thank you for writing in, Adi. I'm sorry that this got uh, kind of like somber on your message. I do appreciate your message. Um, but speaking of uh animorphs and sort of um their own thesis which is largely about uh the the glamorizing of war uh i think something so interesting happens in these chap in, in this last chapter with rachel uh where she venerates the warrior she still says oh no war war is bad but those guys who do war best to ever do it man gotta love them um, and I think that's so interesting in a series that so strongly opposes um, any sort of, like, veneration of, of war or war culture. Um, and I don't think it's bad writing, right? Because I think it fits in Rachel's character. It really, that's, uh, that fits with her tra trajectory and her character arc and where she ends the series, I think, uh, that she would feel this way and think this way. Um, I don't know. It's just a it's just an interesting moment because I found myself disagreeing with her, and then I realized, um, maybe that's the point. Uh, I think too often, uh, we we as a, the larger culture of uh, at least American viewership, English language viewership, uh, I think we tend to conflate a little too much uh, the protagonist's values with the author's values with the story's values. And wow, I just realized I've been recording for 17 minutes, and that's entirely too long. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you want to write in, uh, heard the Gmail. That's audiomorphscast.gmail.com. There's the Tumblr, audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Uh, the website, theapocalypse.com. That's the apocalypse, like apocalypse, with a D in the middle. Uh, and finally, you can tweet at me, at audiomorphs. Uh, that's also where you should check if I'm ever late uploading. Uh, but again, sorry this end of, uh, end of show notes got a little long, a little weird. A little intimate, though, huh? Aren't we closer now as listener and podcaster? Uh, <laughs> form your parasocial relationships with me. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you all for listening. I promise next week um, the end of show notes will be shorter. Uh, bye. <laughs> My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>